Welcome to the clubhouse with Patrick Folks on ABC Grandstand Digital. Hello and welcome to the clubhouse. Patrick Folks here with you in the ABC Grandstand studio. Thank you very much for joining me in what is a tough weekend for Australian rugby fans. Uh, the Wallabies going down to New Zealand, 47 to 29 in Sydney. Certainly a good attack, attack shown by the Wallabies, but it was the defence that ultimately cost them. We're going to have a chat with Wallaby Michael Hooper, who's re-signed with Australian Rugby until the end of 2016, as well as our grandstand expert commentator Ross Reynolds, and uh, run run the finger over the performance on Saturday night with the both of them. In the other match of the Rugby Championship, it was South Africa 73, defeating Argentina 13. So the South Africans looking in red-hot form as well. I do, however, have some good news for Australian rugby fans with the Brumbies getting a win finally. They won the inaugural Sevens Cup. The Brumbies won that over in London, and it was a 17-14 win over the Auckland Blues. So, in essence, Australia has beaten New Zealand uh, this weekend. So there's something for Australian fans to, to take comfort from. Henry Spate scored in the final minute to seal the win for the canberra Bay side, and the coach of the Sevens team, Laurie Fisher, said, it, said he was happy with the the on-field effort by the players and the strength of the side was that everyone performed and they really produced for each other. So congratulations to Brumbies fans with that win. 17-14 over the Auckland Blues, meaning that they are the inaugural World Club Sevens champions. And I know there are a few of you out there who will be very happy to hear that. Also on the program today, we're going to be talking to Nathan Gray, who's taken up the defensive coaching job with the Waratahs. Uh, he's moving up from the Melbourne Rebels and he starts that position in October as well as Chris Bond, who plays for the Queensland Cyclones in the wheelchair rugby. Queensland won the National Wheelchair Rugby Tournament last Friday, so we're going to have a chat with Chris as well. So plenty of rugby action in the clubhouse today. Stay with me here as we go through all the latest rugby news. On ABC Grandstand Digital, the clubhouse. The clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. And some good news for Australian rugby, Wallaby number 859, Michael Hooper has re-signed with Australian rugby until the end of the World Cup in 2015 and even a year after that into 2016. After an impressive performance against the All Blacks on Saturday night, the future is bright for Australian rugby with Michael Hooper along for the ride and he joins you in the clubhouse now. Michael, uh, a disappointing loss on, on Saturday night to the All Blacks. How has the team pulled up over the weekend? Yeah, mate, we've pulled up well. Um, you know, first of all, injury rise. I think you know everyone's everyone's good on that front, so that's positive. Um, you know, there's a lot that we can take out of the game, and in, in the fact we scored 29 points against them, uh, something that hasn't been done in you know 10 or so years. So, you know, I think the the tries we gave them, you know, they were good enough to capitalise on, but you know, they were errors from us. So, you know, something that we can turn around definitely in a week. Well, the attack is, is good, as, as you mentioned there, obviously with the 29 points, but clearly it's the, the defence that is, is letting the Wallabies down. I mean, 88 points over two, tenths, two tests, clearly there's uh, some defensive holes that need to be plugged. 
Yeah, mate, you know, it, it is, I think, you know, a, a fair bit of it is, is due to our errors that we let in on the weekend. You know, there was a few easy tries um, that uh, came from our, our silly mistakes, something, as I said, that can, we can be fixed up. But, yeah, definitely, you know, um, 88 points is too much and we, we can't be letting that in because it's not a sustainable, um, you know, way to go forward and a way to win games. So, um, you know, it's, I think, uh, definitely a, an area to improve on, you know, in the coming weeks. Israel Folau uh, couldn't really get too much into the game uh, on Saturday. He, he didn't get the ball too often. And there has been talks, I know you and Mackenzie got the question about moving Israel Folau to fullback to hopefully bring him into the game a bit more. What, what's your opinion on that, having been uh, playing with him at the Waratahs this season? Because he has performed quite well there for the Tars. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's obviously all class uh, with ball in hand. And, you know, I think... Our back three on the weekend, all of them are, you know, equally good and and have um, great attributes to to offer. Uh, I think, you know, we we need to work on getting the ball into their hands more. Um, you know, Jesse's got, um, Jesse runs well from the back, and and you know, Rabs Rabs, um, you know, speaks for himself. So, you know, any any time that I think uh, they can get ball in hand, it's dangerous um, for the uh, for the opposition. Uh, former Wallaby coach Bob Dwyer, he's, he's written about over the weekend about the need for Australia to, to stop focusing on the next play in terms of supporting the ball carrier, but should be more more be focusing on the play you have now, uh, as it were, in terms of backing up the player with the ball. Do you think there's uh, merit in, in Bob's comments? Uh, yeah, I do. I think so. Um, you know, obviously, he he's, knows what he's talking about. He's um, had quite good success um, with the teams he's coached. Uh, I think with that comment, um, you know, we we can be a bit better with ball in hand. I think our attacking shape was good on the weekend, and it, and it's really enjoyable to play. I, you know, I think what Ewan and um, Jim Mackay have brought in um, in the new coaching in the last two weeks um, is really enjoyable to play. And you know, we put that on, we put the points on the board on the weekend. Obviously, not enough. Um, and we weren't good in the other areas, but um, going forward, you know, from being together for two weeks, I, I think it's uh, definitely a good area and a positive area um, for us at the moment. Well, winning in Wellington is now compulsory for the Wallabies, Michael. I guess, uh, does the inner optimist in you say that Australia can do that? Oh, definitely, mate. I think um, we've got a pretty good record there, um, not mistaken. But, uh, you know, we have to win. We all, we all, want, this, we all want this trophy a lot. You know, it um, obviously is our, our main target and something we've really been um, going for um, in the last, you know, X amount of years and, and, you know, with no one in the team who's actually had their hands on it, it's something they're all driving and striving to get. So, um, you know, it is compulsory, um, puts a pressure on us, but I think that's good pressure. You know, they've got something um, to lose and we've got nothing. So um, we'll be firing. I looked it up this morning. It was the last time we won in Wellington. We scored 67 points, but it was against the United States in, in the World Cup. But there's <laughs> still hope that maybe we could just repeat that performance. And Michael, I guess, signing on for three more years with Australian rugby. After the announcement of Ewan taking over as the new coach and uh, the World Cup coming up in 2015, in about two years from now, the Waratahs back on the improve. Are you personally, are you optimistic about the future of Australian rugby? Mate, I am. You know, I think that's why the decision was so easy for me. Uh, you know, I love playing here. I love playing in um, Sydney first, and then you know, with the with the squad we've got at the moment under you and um, and James Hall. You know, I think uh, I think the Tars are you know all all driving to get into that um, the final series. You know, we watched it missed out this year closely, and we all want to get our hands on that and get involved with that. And you know, the Wallabies is. Uh, you know, something that's so um, great to be a part of and, and really enjoyable. So, mate, uh, you know, I'm stoked and, you know, I'm really enjoying myself. 
The Manly Mullins will be ecstatic. Michael, thank you very much for joining me in the clubhouse today. And uh, good luck this week in preparation. And hopefully a win for the Wallabies in Wellington this Saturday would, uh, would be something nice to top off the week. That's right, mate. Cheers. On ABC Grandstand Digital, The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. And that was Michael Hooper joining us in the clubhouse from Wallabies Camp down in Melbourne. And time now to analyse the game with our grandstand expert commentator, Ross Reynolds, a former Wallaby himself. Ross, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Patrick. I guess, Ross, uh, a disappointing result uh, for the Wallabies. What did you make of how the Wallabies performed? Well, I actually thought they had a chance of winning, so devastated, really. Six tries to two, 47 to 29. It just doesn't show that it was a close game. And, uh, you know, Australia were in it uh, early in the second half when they got within three points, I think 25-22, and a bit like the Lions' third test. We went, here we go, we're, uh, we're a real chance. But then the All Blacks just went bang, bang, and it was all over. So... Uh, very uh, devastating, and uh, at the moment they're a class above. Should some players be worried about their selection for the second test? I mean, obviously there were some that performed better than others. Oh, clearly uh, that's going to be something you and Mackenzie and his assistant coaches are going to have to work through. There was clearly some guys that um, you know missed some key tackles and uh, they got dragged you know, fairly early in the second half. So they're obviously concerned that they, they were struggling to compete at that level. And he's got to get players that aren't overawed by the occasion. And uh, the performance of Matt Tamur, I mean, he made these way into the Wallabies' number 10 position. How did you think uh, Matt performed? Because there were some moments when he was put under a lot of pressure by the Kiwi defence. Yeah, I thought he was uh, competent. A very big step up for him. And uh, I think he, he was uh, calmly executing his role particularly during that first half where Australia dominated uh, territory and possession and were attacking, you know, from the halfway to the inside the 22 and won four penalties in a row to win the lead. So I thought during that period of play, Australia looked very uh, composed and uh, confident and, and doing very well. But, uh, you know, when, when they had the charge down to Aaron Curtin and uh, Richard McCaw's try soon after, you know, we just went from being close to chasing, chasing a uh, lost cause. It was uh, another interesting one in terms of poor starts, Ross. I mean, we talked about this last week about how the start with the Lions uh, was awful and surely that could never be repeated again. And then, lo and behold, another poor start and the Wallabies are playing catch-up rugby from the third minute. Yeah, it, um, it certainly wasn't as bad a start as uh, as the Lions, but it wasn't certainly far away. You know, we, we, we knock on that ball from a good take by Jesse Mulgy, passes it to Steve Moore, should have been caught, knock on, they go down to the other end, go side to side, and then uh, Ben Smith just uh, razzle-dazzle, and uh, James O'Connor doesn't trust uh, Adam Ashley Cooper's defence on the inside, and uh, easy try. So that all came back from a, a knock-on that should have, you know, during the warm-up, they didn't drop a ball. Their warm-up was just really good. They switched on. Their skill level was every bit as good as the All Blacks at that stage, but when you put the All Blacks coming at them at a fierce rate in a rush defence, it changes your mental focus. And uh, they clearly their skills are not as good as the All Blacks. Well, it's, uh, it's now going to be the big challenge, Ross, uh, winning in Wellington. 
uh, this coming Saturday, and you can catch that call on Grandstand. But, uh, geez, Ross, it's uh, it's going to be a tough ask uh, for the Wallabies to, to beat New Zealand in New Zealand because we know how hard it is for the Wallabies to win over there. Well, I think I was in the last time, you know, 1986, where we, we won a series over there. And uh, it is it is a huge ask. you really got to have the mental belief that you are going to win and can't be considering losing. So the belief of, yeah, we can compete and have a go to actually believing you're going to win are quite different scenarios. So psychologically, uh, Ewan McKenzie's uh, second test in the job, but he's got a mammoth task to get these players up to the stage where they actually believe they will win. Do you think there's any hope that the Wallabies can win? What's, what's your tip, Ross? A, a famous Wallabies victory, perhaps? Look, I'd love to think about it, but I certainly won't be putting my hard hand on it. No, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid uh, I'm not, not a strong belief. I think Australia is certainly in that building phase. They made eight changes from the third test against the Lions to this team, and there were some inspired selections there, and... Uh, I think given time, you know, they'll gel into a very good side. But playing your first two tests against the All Blacks for you and McKenzie's reign as the Wallaby coach is a pretty tough ask. The number one team in the world. And they picked the three blokes that were, you know, not playing well at Super 15 level. Tony Woodcock, Andrew Hoare and Ma Nonu. And uh, Steve Hansen, the All Black coach, really trusted them, their, belief, their ability to step up in the All Black jersey. And they did not disappoint. They really played well. Yeah, it's one of the challenges of playing the All Blacks. They always seem to grow that extra leg when they don that black jersey. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of hard work for Wallabies and Wallabies fans alike, but it's an important period for Australian rugby. It's a very critical period, and let's hope they uh, they can get up. Uh, you know, they're certainly good enough because they did upset them in the scrum and the line-out and uh, made a couple of nice line breaks, but they made too many simple errors and they really struggled in getting out of their own half. Their uh, execution of getting outside the 22 was poor in terms of the kick chase and the putting pressure on the catcher and just not getting enough territory. And Israel, their quarter, in good field position and uh, they burnt us and we just couldn't get away from that pressure. Yeah, it's going to make for an interesting challenge. I'm going to tip the Wallabies to win this week, and uh, if if it is, I'm going to replay this every in every edition of the show for the rest of the year when I talk to you, Ross, just to prove it. But uh, if not, I'm going to delete it so we can't hear that. I hope you're right, Patrick. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Ross, thank you very much for joining me in the clubhouse today. Thanks, Patrick. On ABC Grandstand Digital, The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. Waratahs recently announced that Nathan Gray, a former Waratah himself and a member of the coaching staff down at the Melbourne Rebels, would be joining the Waratahs for the 2014 season and he'll be commencing that work in October, working on the Waratahs pre-season campaign. The Waratahs finished ninth in season 2013 on 45 points, but there's still plenty of optimism about the future of New South Wales rugby and Nathan Gray joins you in the clubhouse now. Nathan, thank you very much for joining me. Okay, Patrick, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks. Um, first of all, you've had uh, 94 caps for the Waratahs as a player, and you've had uh, a great experience coaching uh, across uh, different countries, including Japan and, and now in Melbourne. Are you looking forward to returning home? Very much so, you know. Um, you know I was lucky enough to be uh, involved with the Waratahs for a long period of time as a player, and um, you know the place gave me a lot in terms of um, opportunity and being able to deploy my trade, so to stay, say. So... You know, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to head back there and, and provide a lot of input and, and help uh, help develop a, a young, confident group and uh, and contribute in a, in a different way. 
there are a lot of challenges involved in, in New South Wales rugby, isn't there? Because we've got, in, in New South Wales, there's the biggest club competition in Australia in, in the shoot shield, but New South Wales has never really been able to lift a, a super rugby title of, of any format, despite coming close a number of times. Uh, are you looking forward to, to that challenge? And how do you think we can uh, look at perhaps eventually one day uh, lift a super rugby title here in New South Wales? Well, I think that, that that process is something that, you know, that is a, a long one and uh, you need to go through a number of steps to be able to put yourself in a position to play in a final. And you know, sometimes the, the expectation in Sydney is high, which is fantastic because it brings out the best in people. But um, I know from having having been there for a number of years and from knowing a lot of people in the organisation that that desire to, to, to make that final is, is certainly uh, certainly very strong. So it's uh, it's a matter of focusing on on what you need to do to be able to get there, and uh, and obviously the components of the game are, are very important. Um, you know, New South Wales had, a, had an exceptional attacking focus last year, and were very good from that perspective. And you know, they're actually quite solid defensively as well. So the future's are uh, looking quite bright, and, and I see my opportunity to uh, to move into that strong coaching staff and strong organisation and contribute in, in my in my area and uh, and hopefully take them uh, take them towards uh, those finals and uh, and playing the best they possibly can I think if New South Wales are playing the best they possibly can they'll, they'll be in a position to, uh, to to push any team and, and play in those finals in terms of yourself obviously you, you've as I mentioned previously you've been at the the Melbourne rebels and as the assistant coach to, to Damien Damien Hill is it a bit of a, an interesting sort of a change in perspective when you move to a, a new franchise and you go from looking at a side that you would have picked apart to now how you can rebuild it and make it stronger yes yeah, it's, it's a it's one of the great things of coaching to, uh, to have that opportunity to be able to Pull teams apart, but then you know if if you if you end up going to them, that you've got a bit of info that uh, you, know, you can definitely use and and say, look, this is how we broke you guys down or tried to tried to attack you guys, and here here's how we can fix it. But also having that knowledge of of all the other Super Rugby sides from from coaching in the competition for the last three years is something that you know I'll draw on constantly, and and I'm looking forward to tapping into the the resources of, of Michael Checker and and Daryl Gibson and Alan Gaffney as well. So those guys are. Certainly strong coaches with good history, and I'm looking forward to adding to that group. It's been reported in ESPN Scrum by Greg Groudon that uh, Michael Checker might be uh, looking to, to head back to Europe. Have you have any heard of any anything about those rumours? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, in, in saying that, coaches are constantly looking for opportunities to to, uh, to extend their, their coaching style and expand their, their coaching portfolio. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd have no doubt that, you know, Michael, along with many other coaches, are if those opportunities come up to coach an international side, that that'd be silly not to look at it. But I've got no doubt that he's totally focused on the Waratahs and their and their and their preparations for the following season. Mm. Well, Nathan, uh, thank you very much for joining me in the clubhouse today. Good luck in the move back to Sydney, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at uh, New South Wales Waratahs training throughout uh, season 2014. Thanks very much. Appreciate uh, being on the show, and um, yeah, can't wait to get back to Sydney and rip in. On ABC Grandstand Digital, the Clubhouse, the Clubhouse, with Patrick Folks. Well, as I mentioned earlier on in the program, it was the National Wheelchair Rugby Union champs uh, last week, and it was held with the likes of gold medal winning champions such as Riley Batt and Chris Bond. 
coming head-to-head when New South Wales and Queensland kicked off the tournament. The winner was decided with Queensland beating Victoria in the final. And Queensland's Chris Bond joins you in the show now. Chris, welcome to the clubhouse. Congratulations on the win. It was a dominant performance in the final, 63-48. How did the game play out? Uh, Thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, it was strange to see Victoria in the final. They haven't made the finals um, for a long time. Uh, and we'd already beaten them uh, previously in the tournament, so we went in pretty confident and pretty much just opened them up in the first half and they could never recover. You scored over uh, 40 of Queensland's points in the final and you were named in the uh, All-Star 4 for the tournament, so personally, not not a bad week for yourself. Yeah, um, it's good. I'm just growing and growing on my performances. Um, Did a stint overseas recently and that's helped my game and um, to come back and put a strong performance into our National League um, was great. There were plenty of uh, gold medal winners on show during the week uh, right across um, the states. How was the standard of the competition? Um, did you think that it's it, it's improved from year to year? Oh, definitely, especially with the inclusion of um, the New Zealand national team. Uh, you know, the guys from across the, across the ditch came over and uh, gave us a real show. Um, and as you said, pretty much... Uh, yeah, every member of the Australian national team was playing uh, for their state in this tournament. So uh, it was definitely a challenge, but um, yeah, we got up this time. You mentioned New Zealand there. You beat them in your semi-final, 55-46, to 46, just based yeah. on the score. Was that the toughest game you had in retrospect? Uh, or I think any game against Riley Bat is a tough game. Uh, <laughs> we were lucky enough to come out really strong and um, held them off till the end. Uh, I don't think... It, I can remember anyone beating a team with Riley Batten in it um, for a long time. So that was really tough. But yeah, again, New Zealand came out and we just weren't ready for them in the, the first time. And then when it came to the semi-finals, when it really mattered, you know, we um, found a bit more bit more heart, a bit more grit to, to get over the line. Yeah, Riley had to leave the tournament early as well, didn't he? Because uh, a wedding commitment that he already had. So he must have been uh, happy not to, to see him fly off. <laughs> yeah, he was resting his feet up on a beach somewhere um, across the outside of the world. So um. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit easier without Riley back there, but um, I, I love playing against him. He pushes me uh, to play my best my, my best game. The next Paralympics is in Rio in, in 2016, and, and talking, uh, Neve Owens talked to Riley last weekend, and uh, he was saying that you guys are already looking ahead to that tournament already. Um, is that right? Do you feel that it's um, a good time to start looking ahead after, you know, you know you're, you're going to have to defend your gold medal in London in 2016? Yeah, I mean, we've had a bit of a, a break period after London, which was uh, well-deserved and well-needed. Uh, but, you know, um, sport never stops. And yeah, the biggest challenge now is to defend that gold medal. Um, so we'll start next month, actually, in Sydney, um, playing a Tri-Nation tournament with the world's number one ranked team, uh, USA, us and our friends across the ditch, New Zealand. Um, and that'll put us in good stead, hopefully, for world champs next year and then leading into Rio. You guys didn't lose a quarter of any game that you played in all your games in London. Does Do you think that kind of dominance will be hard to replicate? Oh, I don't think you'll see it again, to be honest. Um, we just found found our groove. We had a, the perfect tournament at the perfect time. Uh, and yeah, not much else to say. It was just an unbelievable feat, which I don't think will ever be matched. We've heard that uh, ARU CEO Bill Pulver and Queensland Reds player Jake Schatz were both there uh, on the final day of the tournament. Was it good to see that sort of support from the ARU? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Um, we've been trying to get the ARU on board for a while. It's just um, 
so many similarities between the sports. Uh, and it's great to see them there and also, you know, Sterling Mortlock, the ambassador for the, um, that round. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining us in the clubhouse today. Congratulations on the win and uh, good luck with all the training and uh, prepping for Rio 2016. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, thanks, Sat. Cheers. ABC Grandstands Rugby Show, The Clubhouse. On ABC Grandstands Digital. Thanks for sticking with me, Patrick Folks, here in the clubhouse. Now, time to turn our attention north to Queensland Premier Rugby. And Luke Pentony is uh, still working overseas from the World Athletics Championship in Moscow. So I'll run through the results from the last round of Queensland Premier Rugby before we get into the finals. Uh, Brothers 15 were defeated by University of Queensland 36. GPS 44 defeated Sunnybank 22. Norths, 73, defeated Sunshine Coast Rugby Union, 17. Souths, 110, defeated the Gold Coast Breakers, 5. Bit of a rough day for the Breakers. Wests, 3, went down to Easts, 26. So in terms of the ladder now for Queensland Premier Rugby, GPS finished on top with 73 points. Easts were in second on 68, along with University of Queensland as well. Uh, Brothers scored 65 points throughout the season. Sunnybank 56, Souths 53, Wests on 40, Norths 23, Gold Coast Breakers 21 and the Sunshine Coast on 6. And that wraps up the season for 2013 in terms of the regular rounds. The first week of the finals this coming Saturday, the major semi-final will be GPS against Easts at Ballymore 1. And then the minor semi-final will be University of Queensland against Brothers at Ballymore. And that's kicking off at, uh, at, at, at 3 o'clock and at uh, 5.30 respectively. So if you want to get down to Ballymore and catch some rugby, head down there and support your local game up in Queensland. And uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing a lot of running rugby as well. And Natalie Yonides joins me now in the studio. We're going to be talking Shoot Shield, and uh, hopefully Luke Pentony will be back from Moscow very shortly, so we'll continue our coverage of Queensland Premier Rugby. But time now to turn our attention south to the Sydney-based competition. Natalie, welcome back to the clubhouse. How are you? Thanks for having me, Pat. I'm good. Well, that's good. And what an exciting weekend of rugby we had in terms of the Shoot Shield. We now locked away the positions for the finals, and uh, there were some movers and shakers in the last round in the ABC TV team. I know you guys were at the Manly Southern Districts game. I mean, Cam Blades' men gave them a good run for their money, but they kind of fell away a bit in that back, back half hour. Yeah, well, this game had massive ramifications for the makeup of the final. So basically, whoever won finished third and got the opportunity to play uni in the first week of finals, whether or not that's a good thing. But um, Manly had the momentum for the majority of the match, but they couldn't put it on the scoreboard. So the first half, they dominated possession-wise, and they just edged in front by half-time. They were up 13-12, to 12, and then it was much the same in the second half. The lead was constantly changing, but Manly finally broke away in the end. They ended up winning five tries to two, 31 points to 21, and they take that all-important third position. Which becomes very interesting when we'll look at the, the nature of the finals in, in a minute. But do you want to run through the other scores from round 18 of the Shoot Shield for us? Well, we had a couple of interesting results from the weekend. Now, Norths started the round in ninth position. They needed to beat West Harbour to have any chance of making the finals. And they were down 20-3 to by half-time. Their season looked like it was all going to be over. And they staged this miraculous comeback to take the match 33-27. to And they elevated themselves up into seven position on the ladder so a little bit of a change there they've gone from missing to being in the top seven uh and then the uh, west harbour breaking my heart 
Well, they have another opportunity this week, Pat, so don't worry too much. <laughs> um, other results fell North's way as well. Eastwood beat Warringah 49-26 to and Uni demolished Randwick 78-0. So Uni just continue on their way with their star-studded lineup. And the other results, East came from behind to beat a spirited Gordon 55-33 to and Penrith came very, very close, but it wasn't enough. They went down to Parramatta 34-24. to Well, there you go. That's wrapping up round 18 in the shoot shield. And just looking at the finals, Nat, I mean, Manly have scored quite well, haven't they? I mean, they have to take on you know, the University of Sydney, but that's not necessarily great. But they do have a home game at uh, Manly Oval for that qualifying final. Well, this is the thing. You've got to keep in mind that all the grounds were predetermined before we start they've been we've known who's going to play which games are going to be played where for about a month so Eastwood are going to play Southern Districts at TG Milner that's the first um, qualifying final and then the second final is going to be Uni and Manly from Manly Oval so Manly get a home ground advantage even though they finish third they might need it though they are playing Uni uh, elimination finals are going to be West Harbour and Randwick from Concord and then Easts are taking on Norths from Chatswood yeah, it's, and it's a back-to-back rugby this weekend on ABC One because you can catch uh, both games uh, Saturday and Sunday from 3pm. Yes, on Saturday we're showing West Harbour and Randwick. We're doing one of the quali- qualifying, or one of the elimination finals rather. And then we're showing Uni and Manly. That's going to be on the Sunday from eight or from 3pm. And uh, that's uh, back-to-back until literally the, the grand final on this Saturday, Sunday, over the next few weeks on ABC One. And if you live outside of Sydney and New South Wales, you can catch uh, the Shoot Shield at the National Replay at 4.30am on Tuesday mornings, or you can always catch it at the much more convenient time of your own leisure on iView through the Sports tab there as well, where you can find all the Shoot Shield action over the last few weeks. Natalie, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And if you want to catch this show again, you can just go to abc.net.au slash grandstand. Follow the links to the podcast page and where you can find the clubhouse. And we're also on iTunes, so we can be downloaded and podcast at your leisure. This Saturday, it's the Wallabies. They've got the big challenge of taking on the All Blacks in Wellington. That'll be from 5.30 this Saturday. And you can catch that call on Grandstand. We'll be giving you a full call of the match thanks to our colleagues at Radio Sport New Zealand.